Hello, everybody. Welcome to Fret Buzz, the podcast. I'm Aaron Sefcik. I'm Joe McMurray. And today we're going to talk a little bit about some bass. Uh, today with us, we have Randy Nicholas. Hi, Randy. Hi, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, welcome. Uh, Thank Randy's, you very much. Yeah, Randy's, uh, he's been playing bass for quite some time. Uh, I've known Randy for years. Uh, played with him quite a few times. He's got his own brand that we'll talk about today. Um, yeah, just an all-around cool dude. You're definitely going to want to learn more about him and get to know him. Check him out. Yeah, so, if you can't see him, you got to check out his beard. Yeah. <laughs> on the YouTube link. <laughs> awesome. So welcome, Randy. Oh, thank you guys for having me. Um, very nice morning. Yeah, well, maybe for you. Not, yeah, not, not nice here. here. It's, it's, oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not, kind of nasty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, so let's waste no time. I actually want to jump right in. I got lots of things that we could talk about. Um, one of the first things that I definitely want to jump into is um, base and how it's viewed. Um it is my perception just from my experience over the years that going back to even something like Led Zeppelin and you look at the, all the old Led Zeppelin videos and everything like that, they'll show Robert Plant and they'll see Jimmy Page and occasionally you'll see John Bonham doing his thing. But the one person that you never, ever see, and, and this, this goes for almost all videos that you see, especially in the older times, is you never see the bassist. Yeah. Um, it's rather interesting when you actually start paying attention to just that. The bassist is never, ever, like, the one who gets the attention. Mm-hmm. And I've always found that kind of interesting, that the bass doesn't ever really get that spotlight. Um, yes. and, it, and it really wasn't until Jocko came along that it was like, ooh, bass. Um, <laughs> um, so it's kind of interesting. And even like where I work um, and, and people who come through the door, you know, it's always guitarists who want to learn. And then beyond that, it would be drummers and then maybe some piano players. But the the one person who doesn't that like the that doesn't come through the door is the bassist. Yeah. Uh, I was kind of wondering what your thoughts are on, on that. Um, I mean, they're pretty right. Uh, the bass player is often the unsung hero, kind of the kind of the joke. You know, you get a lot of fun poked at you for being the bass player. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. You know, it's such a cool instrument. Yeah, yeah. you know, you have that meme that's like uh, a guitar player, and he's going home with like three girls, and then like the drummer's going home with two. Yeah, and then the singer's going home with one, and then the bass player just going home with his bass. Right. Um, which pretty much described my whole high school slash college career. <laughs> because I love to practice. Yeah. But um I mean, you're definitely right about Jaco. That dude changed the game. Yeah. Um but did, did Jaco change the game because he was playing the melodies? He was not a lot of times he got famous for playing what isn't typically the bass role. Right. I I would say that too. I mean, just right. especially being a fretless player because that wasn't as common. I mean, unless you're playing an upright, I guess at the time. Yeah. Um but definitely, like you said, yeah, I would I would say him playing the melodies and his like technique and his sound. I mean, when you listen to his like tone, it was just crazier than any other bass players. Yeah, I mean, you know, same with thing with like Getty Lee too. I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, that was just completely different. I mean, don't get me wrong, John Paul Jones and and like Paul McCartney, they had amazing bass lines. Oh yeah. But they weren't like the spotlight. They they didn't really have that that. I don't know. 
they they should have had a bigger role. Um, I don't know how to explain it. It's it's it like I said, it was, really wasn't until Jocko came along that he had that kind of like you said, Joe as well. That melody that kind of put the spotlight on bass, and everybody's kind of like, ooh, ooh okay. But not that it wasn't right. around, but it was just like, ooh, okay. Here's somebody who's kind of making it the voice of the band, right? Yeah, I mean, listening to his stuff with like Joni Mitchell, same way. It's just yeah. like it was like, wow, like definitely never heard that before. And I feel like it made a lot of people probably go like, oh, I'm going to play the bass now. Yeah, and it also made us kind of look back on things like you know people like James Jamerson. Mm-hmm. Or you know, and and like even Paul McCartney's bass lines, or um, um, John Entwistle from the Who, yeah, like yeah, and then you start to go back and listen to these guys that like were kind of underappreciated. I mean, even John Paul Jones, man, uh, ramble on like that bass line <laughs> is so good, it's yeah. so good. Um, so I think that guy definitely started making people appreciate it, and then when. Like, I mean, from what I've studied, like, as soon as we hit the 80s, like, all these crazy jazz fusion players came out. Yeah. And they were just, like, blowing minds. And, you know, then you get guys like Victor Wooten coming on. Oh, man. And then he's, like, the best in the world. And uh, that that really, like, made me want to pick it up. Because by the time I was, like, 12, I'd gotten a job and I bought my first bass. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And... I just remember like, look like the internet was becoming a thing. So I was like able to see these guys like flea was like my first one that I loved. Yep. Um, Let's but, play yeah. Pool. Oh yeah. Yeah. My cousin gave me a primus CD when I was 13 and I was like, what in the hell <laughs> is this? <laughs> it was so weird. And I'm not going to lie. I hated it at first, Yeah. but then a couple listens through and like, I started kind of really getting into like, myself a little bit and figuring out what i liked in life yeah and primus was definitely that oh my gosh yes yeah such yeah. a weird it was like i was like what is this circus music dude yeah. this is yeah. so weird yeah <laughs> yeah i was the same way i picked yeah. up that first album and i was just like what is this such a different approach to music and it's quirky and it's fun and it's just out there and the way he approaches is because again here's a band that that focuses on the bass right and and it's like wow but it's not like a regular (laughs) bass (laughs) less is like out there man and it's awesome it was so i mean i played pork soda so many times oh yeah man frizzle fry too that was was my my, jam for sure oh man such a good album (laughs) yeah and then sailing the seas of cheese is like every song on there was a classic to me yeah 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 absolutely Yeah. yeah Yeah. So yeah, bass is just kind of interesting that over the years it's it wasn't the spotlight. And then like I said, as over the years where you have people like Jaco and you have Getty Lee and you have Stu Ham and Victor oh, right. Wooten and and you know, all these cats who are just like, okay, now bass is definitely a, a big thing. And then what I'm noticing again is is that I don't really see that spotlight happening as much anymore. We went through a good period where the bassist was, you know, at least recognized. Um, But right now I'm not seeing too. I mean, again, as I've said in many, many episodes before, (laughs) it's out there. It's just not prominent like it used to be. You don't have those guys like... Stu Ham or Jocko or any one of these. I mean, you don't have a Les Claypool right now. You just don't have that. It doesn't no. exist. I mean, I think that also has to do 
<clears throat> with the way music is, especially the way like popular music is going, you know, because <laughs> a lot of that is done electronically. Right. And I mean, I get it because you can make some pretty cool, like I'm into that too. I love production stuff. Yeah. Um, you can get some pretty cool sounds. And I mean, essentially like with like a, a Moog, for example, like you can get something that's more bass than an electric bass. Right. So like pe- right. people want those subwoofer rattling, mm-hmm. you know, crazy, uh, big, warm room filling bass sounds as opposed yeah. to like an electric bass. Of course, with some pedals, you can get that too. But I think that may have a lot to do with it. Because people are just kind of like, eh, I don't want to hire a bass player. Like, eh, let's just make this sweet noise on the computer or with the synthesizer. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's but something- I mean, they're out there for sure still. Sorry to interrupt you, Joe. That's okay. <laughs> I was just going to say there's something. You can't get the the smoothness of an electric bass. You know, the slides. You can't get that on the computer. Oh, no way, man. I've tried when I'm laying down an idea, and it's like, okay, screw this. I just got to pick up my bass <laughs> and plug it in. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> kind of funny. Yeah. I was actually at the Moog factory last uh, last weekend. I was back in near my parents' place in the Asheville region for uh, Thanksgiving, and went and did a behind the scenes tour of the Moog factory. And oh, I mean, they do have some super awesome uh, since it put like these fat bass sounds. Right. I mean, super they had fat. some that were like they looked like cabinets. I mean, that's what they used to take around with them. I mean, now they've got a lot of them where it's condensed into one keyboard, but they had all these old cabinets and stuff. Oh, you know, man. 50 little connecting cables. And you <laughs> switch them out to make the different sounds, but... Awesome. Oh, yeah, dude. That's killer. Just I've never bit. actually been there yet. I would love to go. Yeah, it's worth a stop. It's easy. Downtown Asheville. Mm. Um, yeah, just imagine Herbie Hancock playing that community. <laughs> <laughs> that's so epic to think about right yeah Yeah. right that's cool dude yeah especially i mean that's weird to me too i'm like still kind of uh intimidated by those like i've definitely seen guys on tour with not really huge ones but i mean there's guys that literally you know there's a whole band playing instruments and then there's like there was this one band we played with i forget what they were called there there was one guy in the band who was literally just sitting there patching cables Mm-hmm. like while a dude oh. was playing the synth yeah right. it was pretty wild looking and i was like whoa there's some weird sounds coming out of that thing yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow that's, that's yeah. the appeal of it you can really get sounds that nobody else can get yeah but you gotta just turn a lot of knobs yeah, yeah. Way, essentially <laughs> when i was at school i had a roommate who was uh, from Italy, and that's what he was pretty much there for, is just kind of manip- manipulation of sound in real time. And that was his live show, was, you know, kind of going through the filters and using this sawtooth and using, Whoa. I mean, that's I mean that's all he did on stage and, uh, you know, put a beat behind it. And that's that's what it was all about, is expo- exploration of sound and, and, and having fun with it. So it's kind of mm-hmm. kind of an interesting way to look at um, the live show. Right. I was going to say, I wonder if there's people like crowd surfing there and like mosh pit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it's, it's kind of like that electronic, uh, um, uh, sound that, 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 that's very popular over in the Europe. Oh of, yeah. You know. Yeah. That's pretty wild, man. Yeah. It was, like, it was cool. You know, you would think with the electronic music being so popular these days and like, especially music that's danceable, you would think that the bass would, get a bigger spotlight because of that. Yeah. 
I mean, um, it, it, I you know. can just have drum and bass and have a great, you know, great dance rhythm section. Yeah. But like Randy was saying, it's kind of about that sub bass. It's around like 30 Hertz to like 60 Hertz where you can kind of like feel it. Whereas I see bass as 80 to a, just a little bit higher. Yeah. 80 to, you know, anything up to, I don't know, 250. It's right. like an octave higher, right? Yeah. It's a, and, and beyond. Cause you have, obviously you can go way up high on the, on, yeah. the, on the base, but it's, it's, um, and it generally tendency with, with, um, with sub bass, uh, you don't have a lot of quick lines. It's, it's kind of whole notey, half notey kind of, and sometimes the entire song is just one note, one note, you know, one sub frequency. And you may have, a, you might have like a sub drop or something like that. Um, but whereas obviously the bass, you can have a lot of melodic lines. You move around a lot and um, it's got, it's got that higher frequency that, that kind of occupies a little bit more. So I, where I do see what you're saying, I just see, um, I see dance music a little bit more in that, Mm. Yeah, yeah. Feel, yeah. You know? that, was, that was a very good impression, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Mm. Yeah, right. Because well, I did a lot of those with like a low octave pedal all the time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah. Well, see, that's the way around it. I mean, f- five string bass, octave pedals, and seems like you can still achieve that. Oh yeah. I mean, I think. Um, I guess I also think. Uh, what's the guy's name? The guy who did the sound design for like Star Wars and Wally and stuff like that. I forget his name. Legendary dude though. And he talks about how we have this um, categorized part of our brain where we have like um, just a special slot for movie sounds and stuff. Like when you punch someone that you have that typical like, you know, yeah. like yeah, kind yeah. of sound, which is actually just like them like cracking a piece of celery or something. Yep. Yeah. Um, I feel like we've started to develop that too for music and like, especially because electronic music is so prominent. Every genre you hear has the electronic aspects to it. And like, I mean, every jam band I hear the bass player very rarely is just playing a bass with no effects on it. You know, like if it's dancier, it's definitely at least like an OC two, you know, or like something like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. Usually I've seen ones that don't even have a bass player. It's just a guy plain synth um yeah but because of that stuff people will start to kind of get the idea that they hear the bass sound and it's not actually a bass it's just a synth you know does that make sense yeah yeah Yeah. um i feel like so they've started to kind of get a library for what they believe to be a bass sound and that's what they want to hear so because that's kind of popular you know it's definitely more um popular to hear a synthesized bass versus a real one yeah. or I mean, like I, one on the computer or whatever. Yeah, I'd love to see EDM with a bassist. That'd be great. <laughs> I'll be pretty tight. Yeah. Yeah, I would. I feel like there are bands that, that definitely get into that arena though. I mean, if I watch STS nine, like it, it's got that, like, it feels like EDM with a live band, which is it's, I like listening to it. I don't want to, I like, see, I would like to see them live. Oh man. Have you ever seen them? I have not, no. Oh, man. They just got... <laughs> <laughs> they're so cool, dude. They just got a uh, a chick bass player. I forget her name, mm-hmm. but she's ridiculously good. She was playing gospel before, oddly enough, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's... and then this electronic jam band's like, yo, come uh, do this EDM stuff with us. 
Mm-hmm. They they sound really good. They you're right. Like they do it. They have a really good feel for getting the dance music with an electric bass. Yeah, and I mean, I electric think every real instruments. Right, the whole band. Yeah, and then sometimes they're running samples while they're doing their stuff. Okay. Um, who else was I thinking of? He's got. I mean, part of that comes because the drummer's got a real like hip hop kit. Like it's mm-hmm. like he's got the piccolo snare and he's got. He gets that electronic sound out of his drum kit too. Right. And he's probably got, I think he's got one of those like uh pad, like trigger pad things. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You right. Know, so he can hit the. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like the roto toms. Or... Okay. Right. I got it in and now Randy's got it in. Now, Joe, you have to do it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, also, <laughs> love it. Lettuce gets into some of that too. Oh, like I feel like man. a lot of the recorded oh, stuff wow. isn't necessarily as much like that. But when I've seen them live um, late night, they, I mean, they get really, I'm, what do you call it? Like trance hop. I and mean, it's very, yeah, that's best. a good word for it. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm going to, I'm going to coin that if anybody wants to use it. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. No, uh-huh. I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, lettuce, lettuce definitely gets into it. I think it's a thing that's happening in the, I mean, even on my Sirius XM radio, Jamtronica happens certain nights of the week, which is their electronic jam band stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, to me, I, like, I think that the electric bass actually plays a better role than synthesizer, just if you can, because you just get the expressiveness more. And like, mm-hmm. uh, I forget which one of you earlier were saying it, but like getting like the slides, you know, or even just like a muted note, like yeah. that kind mm-hmm. of Jacoby doot that kind yeah. of yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that like it's, it's a lot harder to achieve for me at least on the keys i mean i know keys players that can do that no problem right but, um I, I just think it's it's a better fit it just also looks way cooler um yeah. <laughs> to me yeah <laughs> go, no when i go to a show i want to see like a guy with a bass you know that's what yeah. i like i'm looking at but if i see a guy Actually, it would be pretty cool to see a guy with like a keytar too. <laughs> Doing some slap on the keytar. Right. <laughs> it's, it's easier to dance with a, a guitar like instrument on your around oh, you rather definitely. than being stuck in the keys. But so mm. what what kind of bass do you play? So I have um my go to bass is this sweet Kudela five string. Mm-hmm. It's custom made. It was made in Japan, and I actually found it used uh, on Reverb. Um, yeah. And it's it's five different kinds of woods. So oh. I'm not even going to try to list them all because I don't remember exactly what they all are. Right. But um, it has Bartolini pickups, 18-volt uh, active preamp, and it weighs seven pounds. So okay. that that was my favorite part about the bass. Like as soon as I saw seven pounds, I was like, ah, this thing looks amazing. Like I don't even care what it is. I just wanted a light bass for tour. Mm-hmm. And then I got it and it's just a tone monster. It's I mean, I can make it sound like Jaco. I can make it sound thick and warm. Like mm-hmm. it's just honestly the best bass I've ever owned. Mm-hmm. Um and then my backup bass is a Brewbaker, which is made here in Baltimore um by a guy named Kevin Brewbaker. <clears throat> and it's a five string too. I typically go with five strings just because I mean it's kind of the standard nowadays. I feel like you know a lot of times of having that low E flat or that low D, it's right? Just yeah. nice. Even just the low B too. It's just nice to have. It just yes. feels better to me. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But those are my two go to bases, and then I have a fun one at home 
That is a six-string Ibanez um, okay. premium or prestige. I forget what it's called. Um, but I strictly use that one just to record it with. And honestly, to like learn all my bass chords with because mm-hmm. it's a six-string. So I'm trying to like... You know, learn a bunch of Thundercat lately. <laughs> I love that guy. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Thundercat. I know the name. Oh, man. Check him out when you get a chance. He's ri- ridiculously good. Um, yeah. Grammy Award winning, like, bassist and singer. Uh, he's worked with people like Eric Abadu. Actually, funny enough, too. So when you listen to his music, you would not expect this, but he was also in suicidal tendencies for a little bit. <laughs> oh, <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty yeah. wild because yeah. his music is like this, like, soul like it's beautiful like neo soul kind of stuff Mm. um but he makes it funny so it's like imagine if tenacious d did like soul music okay yeah it's really pretty but it's hilarious like he has songs about his cat which his name is tron and like just hilarious things like that um so check out thundercat (laughs) when you get the chance for sure yeah yeah that's awesome man yeah so those are my bases um so you've uh, do you recommend like so if somebody was learning to play bass do you recommend starting on a four string and then moving up to a five string no i recommend them starting on a nine string and moving down (laughs) (laughs) it feels easier and easier yeah Yeah, exactly start hard no i'm just kidding i definitely recommend a four um just because i mean i like to think about the way people's brains work that like don't know anything about it i mean when i was approaching it like a four was just how I uh, thought of a bass. And that's how most people think of bass. You know, like when I look at yours in the background there, I see, I knew instantly, you know, my brain knows that's a bass, even if I wasn't mm-hmm. a bass player. So to me, it's, I, I recommend people start on four string for sure. Do you, do you think it's when you move to a five string from a four string, is there, I mean, getting a fatter neck, does that mess you up pretty bad for a while? And um, also to me that, I don't know if that low B string rings out if you're not careful oh yeah definitely does um i mean i got into five string pretty quickly because i saw a bass that i wanted like a year or two into playing and i was just like i don't care if i know how to do that like i need that (laughs) i need that five string it was too beautiful yeah Um, yeah and i kept noticing like uh at the time you know i was playing like a lot of rock and roll so like we were tuning down a drop d you know like the teenagers love to do Mm -hmm. um and I just got sick of tuning down and then tuning up the next song. And I was just right. like, I just want to get a five string. Yeah. Um, it, but I mean, it me- it'll mess you up pretty bad only because it takes a little bit for your hands to get used to. But I mean, like to me, you just have to be willing to suck no matter what, if you're approaching playing music, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I mean yeah. You guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You go through that struggle to play a G chord and then all of a sudden you can like solo within a couple of years, you know? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's just practice thing for sure. And what 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 does your uh, what's your rig look like? My rig? Yeah. Oh man. So um I heard real bass players don't use rigs. <laughs> 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 no, but right? Uh, right? Yeah. So I have <laughs> so I have a um <laughs> yeah, I always tell people too, they're like, what kind of strings do you use? I'm like, I don't use strings. <laughs> I just that's, wish my notes into existence. That's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. But um, so I use um, I got a one fifteen cabinet and Ampeg, mm-hmm. and I got a four ten Ampeg cabinet, and I've had both of those since I was like fifteen years old. They've yeah. just been super reliable. They sound great, and they're not that heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for my amps, I have 
Uh, a backup amp is an Ampeg Portaflex 500. And that thing is cool. It sounds like a bass amp, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, made by Ampeg, super reliable, super easy to fix if something goes wrong. Um, but my main one is one that I never knew existed by a company called Quilter. Have you guys ever mm-hmm. heard of them? No. I have heard of Quilter. Oh, man. Check out Quilter's stuff, dude. They're so good. So I came across this thing on the internet because my amp, fry, I had an Ampeg SVT3, mm-hmm. um, which is like, you know, the classic yeah. Ampeg sound, right? And it was all tube and so cool. I love that amp. And I, I just got it fixed finally, actually. But um, right before tour, that thing fried on me. Wow. Like I was like about to leave that day oh. to go to Colorado. And I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. Right. So went online really quick and uh, found this amp that was like the highest recommended, like lightweight amp. And it was made by a company called Quilter. And it's called the Base Block 800. And this thing is probably about this big. It's like three to five pounds, if that. And it's so powerful. 800 watts. There's four knobs on it. They have little graphics over the knobs. So, like, for me, I like simple stuff. Right. And this thing is a powerhouse, dude. It's so – it can get so loud. Um, it just has the best tone that matches my bass, like, mm-hmm. no matter what bass I plug into. I've fallen in love with that amp. I honestly want to get another one so that I can, like, A, B, two different tones with it and just oh, have wow. a full stage of quilter madness. Yeah, it would be awesome. Um, Does and it then sound I, good? low at low volumes oh yeah yeah totally and i mean it has like a little headphone uh input on it oh. it's all the it's all the essentials it's got your gain um master volume and then it has two what they call contour knobs yep which mm-hmm. is like it's like your eqs but um they have cool they have the, these cool little graphics i wish i had it with me i'd show you guys um but they have cool little graphics over top so like you know because sometimes I have a brain that overthinks a lot. So if I look at an amp with 10 knobs, I'm just like, oh, man, sometimes it's intimidating. I know what all of them do, but sometimes I'm like, I don't want to read words right now. I'm on stage. There's lights flashing everywhere. So when I look over at that little guy and there's just two knobs I can mess with, you know, that aren't just volume and gain, I'm like, oh, okay, this little picture is right there. And this is nice for my simple mind because <laughs> right. I, I just need it like that. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, and then moving forward, um, so I... I use all Fender custom shop cables too. I love those. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. The braided kind. Cause yeah. they just wrap nice and easy. Yep. You know, we all know at the end of the night, that's the tough part. <laughs> wrapping cables and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> got um, to take care of cables, man. Right. And then I just got this pretty sweet tone snob pedal board, uh, mm-hmm. with like a case and stuff. Um, it's the fanciest thing I've ever had. I just built my own before, mm-hmm. um, with like dresser drawer handles on it and stuff. But uh, awesome. it works, man. Yeah. Oh, dude, it, it does. I actually knew a couple of guys in in one of my old bands. Well, he knew a guy, but he actually got these old uh, sewing, uh, like a sewing machine case. It looked like a little mini suitcase. Oh yeah, so steamrolls. It's it makes for a great uh, pedal board. Oh pedal yeah, dude. wood in there, and it's you put your power source underneath. It's a little small for you know. It's only like I don't know, foot in a foot and a half maybe by right a little over a foot right yeah. you can make some cool i've seen some cool custom pedal boards for sure oh man that's a way better idea than what i used <laughs> but uh but yeah i just got this nice fancy one it looks like looks like an old school like 
50s like chevy car has like a racing stripe on it um, that's awesome yeah and then uh so i got like um let's see what did i have cord pitch black tuner mm -hmm. uh, which i love because they're very easy to read mm -hmm. i got an mxr compressor mm -hmm. um which is pretty cool it's very versatile i use it mostly as a boost now um right but when i was doing you know a lot of between like slapping and regular technique like just on the fly that compressor came in in handy um so when you're slapping it it really helps kind of hone in the sound the compressor does yeah and you know i noticed that with the brew baker and other bases like mm -hmm. i don't know if it's just a technique thing like i don't like to try and rely on the pedal you know um mm -hmm. but essentially i've just been i've only been learning slap for like the past like two or three years like really actually getting into it so i noticed when i do it live you know the sometimes the volume just isn't there so people mm -hmm. say you know use the compressor um but with the kudela that bass i was telling you guys my main bass yeah uh i don't even need it like it's because it's got two batteries it's it's 18 volts and i mean it, that thing cranks. wow yeah, yeah. wow yeah. okay cranks yeah, <laughs> not not messing around. <laughs> no, I didn't even honestly. I didn't even know that. And I like was playing around in it one day. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with like active electronics, but like you know, it yeah. kind of has that starts yeah. to fart out a little yep. bit. Yep. Um, and I was like, oh my god! And I opened up the back, and I was like, whoa! There's two batteries in here. Holy cow! <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and then I have a bunch of fun pedals. Like I got a, um, I got a uh, what is it? Soundblocks Pro envelope filter, mm -hmm. um, which has like a bunch of cool programmable stuff about it. Mm -hmm. um i mostly just use it for quacking yeah, yeah i mostly just use it. but it actually so the cool thing about <clears throat> this one is uh they they also make a distortion pedal mm -hmm. and they make this thing called hot hands which is like this little magnet uh it's like this little cloth ring thing you put on your finger and then it has a magnet in it that allows you to like you can essentially create like this dubstep bass like wow 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 kind of stuff really it's, yeah it's really tight dude um the company is called uh source audio and they're the only people that have it i think they like patented it and i believe right. um the singer slash uh, i don't know what you call her like a sound engineer like she created a lot of stuff her name's Imogen Heap. She created this like bodysuit that like she just can move and it like creates pitches and <laughs> changes the oh dude, it's so crazy. You gotta look wow. up Imogen Heap one day. She is like a genius. She's helped develop like all these crazy things in the synth synth world and stuff. Awesome. Yeah. But exactly. I believe she had something to do with developing this little thing. Um, I used to have one. The only problem is the ring is like, you know, really small. Uh, so if you lose it. <laughs> it's really hard to find it's like a guitar pick but very expensive <laughs> that's funny um but yeah so i i just have the uh um the envelope filter on my board and then i have octave pedals for days like i love the pog because if i take mm -hmm. a bass solo you know i'm it sounds really cool it gives you that kind of reverby uh sound too and then but the the main one i used um like with broccoli samurai for sure was the oc2 was just the uh, low octave you can even go two mm -hmm. octaves below with that you just got to be nice and careful make sure you have a system that can handle it because right. if, if you don't you're not going to hear anything you know right yeah. right yeah 
So that's pretty much my rig. All right. Um, cool. For right now. Yeah. And you use that on tour with Broccoli Samurai. Yes, sir. <laughs> and how long were you on the road with those guys? So I was on the road for <clears throat> almost a year. Wow. Um, yeah. And it's kind of a crazy story because um, my friend Mike actually, he toured with a band called Mr. F and they did 12 days in Colorado together and something happened with them. And uh, he called me and he was like, man, you got, there's an opportunity like you got to take. Cause I'd been kind of looking for a, an established band that just needed a bass player. And I was like, I just want to go tour. I want to try it out and mm-hmm. see yeah. if I can. Yeah, yeah. And I've been looking and looking and, um then this you know this name popped up and i was like i've heard broccoli samurai like i'm pretty sure i've seen them and i remembered to a year prior i'd seen them in baltimore and i was like they were good but i really wish that i was playing bass for them the whole time i was watching them um so anyways yeah so we got together in november last year and i auditioned and then uh i got in and it was just weird because these three dudes from ohio you know picked a dude from maryland Right. They even drove to where I was teaching at the time, uh, the Frederick Rock School, to audition me. And then, uh, and then I went to their show in Baltimore that night. We hung out, hit it off, and then they were like, yeah, dude, we want you full time. Awesome. Um, so I played one date in Cleveland uh, to kind of like just, you know, get used to how it was because I had no idea what I was getting into. And to be honest, I didn't even really know these guys. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. Yeah. But we just hit it off. The musical chemistry was there. Um, and then from there I had like a month to learn a, all the rest of the material that I didn't play at the show. Right. And we wrote some new stuff like on the spot that was just kind of, we treated it sort of like a jazz band because, uh, my guitar player and my drummer were actually jazz musicians as well. Mm-hmm. Like they studied at university of Akron and, um, um, I'm not sure about Bruce. I think he was mostly self-taught, but he was, he was dope too. Um, but then, yeah, we we hit it hard. January thirty first was our f- second date, but like our first date of like tour, um, and that was in Colorado, which I had never even been there before. Right. I yeah. mean, I imagine I imagine that whole experience of just meeting new people and then jumping on tour with them and playing shows is <laughs> intimidating and and nerve wracking <clears throat> and and just wow. I mean, that talk about like just jumping into the ether (laughs) yeah man it was it was like jumping into like i mean yeah ether or like a pool where you didn't know if the bottom was 10 inches down or a hundred thousand feet right or if you were going to get sucked into a wormhole honestly like yeah it was it was pretty wild and it was definitely intimidating yeah um just not knowing them um you know and being like wow these guys have been doing this forever and this is my first time like Mm. You know, the, I think the drummer was the newest in comparison to me, but he had still been touring with this band for two years. Right. But at the end of the day, I just kept trying to remind myself, like, dude, you've been playing music for like 16 years. So like, right. even though you haven't toured, your main part of your job is going to play music. So like, you've got this. Yeah. And But I had never played in front of crowds like that. Um, getting to play with like, like especially this one band, uh, they're called Pigeons playing ping pong, and they're yeah, really yeah. blowing up right now. Right? Yeah, you know Pigeons. Yeah. So we got to like open for them a bunch of times, and awesome. that was huge shows. Like to me, like you know, it was like five hundred, sometimes like a thousand people, and wow. I mean those guys sell out every show. So like mm-hmm. us getting to open was like holy crap. It wasn't like people were waiting outside for Pigeons either. They were coming in because you know 
they they're there for pigeons but they it, that's the cool thing i think about the jam scene too is uh people are always they were always so supportive like of whether we were opening or if we had an opening band you know they were there the whole time supporting yeah. every act that's and, cool that's yeah cool. you know sometimes you get the people that are like uh screw the opener like we're just going for this one you know one act and then we're out of there before they're done right you know which i understand too sometimes um because <clears throat> you know sometimes you just want to go to bed or whatever but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you but, gotta yeah. be supportive man it's all about supporting the bands it really is i mean yeah. if you're into jam band music you're into hearing new things and you want them to to improvise and go off the beaten path i mean yeah, it makes right. sense that you want to hear the other band yeah I'm, all, I'm always searching for new new good music yeah, man. I mean, you're wearing an Umphrey shirt. I would assume so. Yeah. Those guys are killer. I got to open for them once too at a oh, Mountain Music man. Festival. Oh man, that was that was very intense. <laughs> yeah. Like you know, That's I awesome. was like in the middle of a a bass solo in this one song um, that we actually it was a Lotus song that we used to cover called mm-hmm. "Greet the Mind," and I always started it with like a bass solo thing because my my guitar player just was like throwing me this stuff he'd be like yeah take a solo take a solo i'm like dang i'm not used to this you know like Mm -hmm. i got put in the center of the stage with this band too so that was pretty (laughs) that was pretty cool because you know that thing you guys were bringing up earlier like is the bass the center it was so weird for me because like i've always been down to just chill in the back you know like especially like learning jazz like i was like tucked in the corner of like a restaurant if we were playing or like you know just sort of knowing my part because the job of the bass players you know you're foundation but yeah Yeah. you're the foundation and you're the part that like a lot of times isn't seen you know i think about the foundation the way that like it's the foundation of a house yeah nobody compliments your foundation of your house right you know what i mean you're not digging up your dirt to be like yeah check out how sweet my foundation is you know (laughs) (laughs) people are looking at your walls and the paint and everything um but yeah then i got in this band and from the first show i was like you know where how do you guys set up or whatever and they were like well this is how we used to do it but like i guess after practicing because i i get into it i like dancing and you know jumping around Mm -hmm. stuff like that and they were they were kind of like, well, we're boring. We're putting you in the middle. Uh, not that they're boring, but like my guitar player literally said that to me. And I was like, oh man, are you, are you for real? Like the yeah. bass player gets to be in the middle. This is yeah. crazy, dude. So from there on out, that's how it was. But anyways, uh, getting back to this mountain music festival thing. Right? Opening for Humphreys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was just, that was a very intimidating moment because I knew they were there. I'd seen the dudes unloading all their stuff from their, uh, from their trailer or whatever right and i remember being in the middle of a bass solo and like i kind of peeked around like that <laughs> <laughs> and i saw like uh i forget their names but definitely the bass player and a couple other people and then dudes from like perpetual groove were like whoa who's this kid and i was just like oh man don't choke dude all right all right <laughs> Turn back around and keep playing. I was like, I cannot look at them right now. All right, right. Yeah. Focus, 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 focus. <laughs> a huge crowd over looking at musicians I admire, like while I'm playing any day. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh um, man, that's yeah. awesome. So, Humphreys yeah. to me is like got to be one of the tightest jam bands. Like, I mean, I love I love Fish a lot, but Fish is more of an exploratory experience. I feel like. And Umphreys does do that in live shows, but they have this, I think it's because they're like metal background, some of them, but it's so, so tight. 
like synchronized licks and things. I really enjoy listening to them. Oh yeah, man. I mean, and to me, like, uh, that's, that's a cool thing you bring up because that's like two extremes, you know, that you probably would see playing a festival together, you know, like Mm -hmm. in the bill, like headlining. Yeah. But like, I'm personally more of an Umphreys guy just because, like, I have more of a metal background. You know, I have a beard. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I love fish, too. Um, uh, wait, did you ask me a question? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think I was just I was just, just reminiscing about fish. And I'm talking, talking about how Umphreys is, you know, tight. It really impresses me to watch yeah. Umphreys. Yeah, they impress me, too. And, I mean... Actually, uh, I, I saw them at the Anthem with Marcus King. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a great show. I also love Marcus King. He is uh, so awesome. He's young, right? He's probably like 22 or 23 right now. Yeah, they have such a good, like, soulful blues rock. Oh. He's like a little mini Warren Haynes is how I... Oh, yeah. I mean, Warren the voice and the ES-335. Oh, yeah, dude. And, oh, and whatever amp he uses is just freaking glory mm-hmm. um but apparently warren haynes kind of took him under his wing for sure that makes sense yeah but oh, I, I was watching videos of them yesterday just like oh man they sound so good oh yeah man there's this one uh uh have you ever heard of jam in the van yeah yeah, yeah. so they, they do one and they play one of my favorite songs uh called plant your corn early check that out dude okay and it's just funky and tight almost everybody gets a solo it's a great tune Plant your corn early. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. Mar- Marcus King band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another good one um, <clears throat> that I like is Wolfpack. Oh, oh yeah. 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 They're, they're sick. <laughs> Their bass player is really fun to... I mean, I love listening to him. I love yeah. the whole band, but the bass playing is... He's like the only guy who doesn't switch instruments. Right. Yeah. Like, right. really good at the bass. Yeah. I mean, that's actually... Uh, so for a long time, me personally, like I've strived to sound like Jaco. Yeah. And then uh-huh. I one day that was just so impossible to do. Cause, I, <laughs> Cause it's Jaco. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but I mean, it, it, you know, you get to a point where you sound like them, but you're never going to sound like that. Cause you right. sound like you. Right. It's exactly right. But definitely when Joe Dark came out, I was just like, Oh my God, a guy like, like we, you know, same exact style, like uh, everywhere I've played, not to brag, but like, I love when people come up and they're like, dude, you sound just like Joe Dart. You sound just like the guy from Wolfpack. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, that's what I want. Cause yeah. that's like, super funky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Super funky. That's it's such a good sound. It really yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. God, they, I love it when they bring in Antoine to sing. Uh, oh, his last name. He does like 1612 and funky ducks. And, uh, there's there's a couple new. They think they just released like a new album or something like that. But is that what Animal Song? Um, I don't remember. They have so much material now. It's yeah. crazy. When I looked them up at first, I was like, "Oh wow, how new is this band?" But they already had like five albums worth of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What one of the big things I really like about Wolfpack is that they're when I have a bunch of friends around that maybe aren't as musically inclined, I can put on Wolfpack. And people are like, this is really cool. Like, appealing to the masses while being very interesting. Like, it's appealing to me as a musician as well. Whereas Umphreys, you know, if I pick the right song, I can 
I can get non-musicians into it, but Wolfpack, it's like people are like this is so so fun to listen to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. It's just mass appeal, man. Like they yeah. have it. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys know <clears throat> their story either, because I don't yeah. fully remember all the details right now. But like how they took over Spotify and stuff, and they had their like silent album and stuff like that. I did so, not hear any of that. Oh yeah, man. And um, oh, man, names are just escaping me. It's the morning, but uh, you, you need uh, coffee, not water in your, yeah, in your you need cup. That's <laughs> uh, why we're called Fet Buzz. <laughs> <laughs> however however you gotta want to get it <laughs> Just but uh um i think his name's jack strat he's the guy with the glasses you always see he's always the one changing instruments like mm, okay um less beard uh taller he's usually playing guitar or some part of the drums like uh you guys know the song dean town oh yeah oh yeah dude that's one of my favorite phrases ever <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, we two of those guys when they're playing it, and Joe just starts with the do 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 do. You know what yeah. I mean? And yeah, yeah. The crowd sings the whole bass phrase. Uh, the whole crowd is like do ba ba da ba da ba da ba ba, and there's like, like tens of thousands of people singing a bass line. That's that awesome. It's epic. Like you yeah. know, you've done your job as a bass player when you accomplish that. Yep. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of. Wolfpack's like crowd involvement. When I was at Lockin, they they opened Lockin a couple of years ago. Um, Lockin Festival, and it's near Charlottesville, Virginia, in Arrington. But, uh, <clears throat> they actually had the different sections of the crowd sing the harmony. <laughs> they were like, pretty successful. It was they had three three part harmony going with really? like, twenty thousand people. It, I mean, <laughs> obviously not everybody was getting it, but it was good right. enough to be. You could hear the. You could hear it. Yeah. That's it was, interesting. Yeah, really cool. It would that, be interesting to hear that from the stage. I'm sure from, right. from within the crowd, that would be hard to hear the harmonies, but on stage to be actually be able to hear all the different parts, that yep. would be really interesting. Yeah. Man. He like had each section sing their part. Like he did like three takes with each section. He's like, okay, everybody ready to do it together? <laughs> oh man, that's the coolest thing yeah. ever. While the wow. band was doing, you know, the band just kept playing. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah, both pack, both worth checking out. Oh yeah. man, they're a game changer, dude. Yeah. yeah.